welcome to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and pivoting to digital for the whole TRU community. I'm your host, Brenna Clark-Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning Technology and Innovation. We're housed within open learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tecumloops Te Suetmuk within the unceded traditional lands of Suetmuk Ulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. And today's episode is about inspiration. Because I've been having a hard time finding it lately, and I thought maybe we should talk about what we do when the spark feels like it's gone. I spend a lot of time talking to folks every day in office hours, and I can just tell there's a sense of exhaustion that has settled over campus, Um, for really good reason, by the way. Not going to try to talk any of you into not being tired <laughs> today. But I do want to talk about how we find our energy and our inspiration when it seems to be lacking. Because this is all the harder when you're feeling run down. So let's get into it. What a weird Friday, by the way, the snowstorm. (laughs) Now I'm new to Kamloops, everybody. But I've got to say, October 23rd feels very, very early for this much snow. Maybe it's normal, but nobody put this on the brochures, let me just say. (laughs) Now, I'm from eastern Ontario, and I am no stranger to snow. But I was struck this morning by how unprepared I felt to deal with snow, digging my son's snowsuit out of the cupboard, um, trying to find a matching set of mitts. Almost impossible. Praying his boots still fit. They do, thankfully. One pair, anyway, for a few more weeks, anyway. It kind of got me thinking about how it doesn't take much to uh, turn everything in a different direction on you uh, when you least expect it. I will say, you know, I had to run a few errands, had to go up to the hospital for something today. And when I came back and parked and had that great feeling that you have when you don't have to do anything else for the rest of a very snowy day, (laughs) um, that I could really just enjoy how peaceful and calm it felt to sit and watch the snow come down. I was feeling good about my ability to reframe something that had started off making me awfully grumpy. (laughs) I like snow, but come on, you guys, October? No. (laughs) And instead, making myself a cup of hot chocolate, sitting to answer the work emails under my electric blanket, and enjoying the feeling of being in a snow globe. In October, though, you know? (laughs) Anyway, it got me thinking about inspiration, I guess, because of the way my whole perspective had shifted so quickly. I'm struck by how hard this semester is for all of us. Um, And I think that, you know, week eight in the semester was never my favorite point. Um, I always found it was a time when everybody was just feeling so done. (laughs) 
<laughs> when I taught, I always tried to put a guest speaker in week eight or week nine or have a reason to watch a movie um, because I just felt like everyone was sick of me <laughs> by week eight. <laughs> and I just, I was kind of sick of listening to me by week eight. But that's all compounded now by just how overwhelming the workflow is and how seemingly unstoppable the flow of just things we have to get done and the extent to which I think we're none of us our best selves right now as we've talked about on the show before it's all just harder I think we owe it to ourselves though to try to figure out a way to find that inspirational spark again, something that can get us through. There's lots of opportunities for it. Um, my guest on the show today is Carolyn Ives from Kelt, who's going to talk about a book club for a phenomenal book called Radical Hope that really will help to spark something for you if, if a book feels doable for you. Um, Speaking of books, for me, when I've lost my sense of why I do what I do, um, I always pick up An Urgency of Teachers by Sean Michael Morris and Jesse Stommel. It's actually an open access press book, so I'll link to it in the show notes today, but it's a really great one. Um, it's all about teaching and learning online and how to do it with care um, and how to do it effectively. It's very focused on Larger problems, yes, but practical, um, hands-on approaches to teaching and learning as well. And my favorite thing about it is that it's broken up into the teeniest, tiniest essays. They're like just a couple of pages each, most of them. And so when you're so stressed out, it's the easiest thing to just pick up and dip in and out of. Um, it's it's just, it's a good one. <laughs> you should check it out. <laughs> But not everybody fills their cup with books. And for not all of us does reading feel even possible or probable right now. Um, I'm a voracious reader and I'm struggling to get through books um, to get to the ones I want to read right now. So maybe we could think about some other things that can fill our cup and remind us of why we do what we do. Is it the kind of thing that, you know, maybe, maybe you need to cancel a class? give everybody a break. I saw the nicest tweet this week. An instructor canceled a class. She was just feeling too overwhelmed and had a sense that her students were struggling and falling behind. So she canceled a class this week and she got an email from a student thanking her because <laughs> she slept in and then she made herself some pancakes for breakfast. And it was the first time she had actually properly eaten breakfast since the semester began. We forget sometimes about the ripple effects of allowing for rest, right? It allows other people to rest to. Maybe what you're missing are those casual meetups with friends and colleagues and maybe a virtual coffee chat or a virtual pub night is in order. Maybe one last backyard visit. I'm looking out at this snow and thinking, no, maybe backyard visits are behind us. <laughs> Or maybe it's just that you need to take some time to quietly sit and think about why you got into education in the first place. You weren't expecting this. None of us were. But can we still channel the things that we care about when it comes to teaching and learning, even in the midst of the worst semester ever? <laughs> 
<laughs> even in the midst of our exhaustion? Maybe we can try. I'm struggling with inspiration these days when it comes to, you know, finding new solutions or thinking through our programming. I'm actually really grateful that we're doing programming again. The first workshop was last week and it was extremely energizing to be in a virtual room with so many of you to chat and talk about teaching and, you know, just remember that there are solutions to some of the problems that we're struggling with. So maybe coming out to our programming will be a place for you to have those conversations or connect with that community. As I said earlier, one of the ways you can do that is checking out the Kelt Book Club, which I totally recommend, um, even though they don't have stew and chili anymore, which was my favorite part of the book club when it was on campus. <laughs> but it still has great conversation, and Carolyn Eyes is here to tell you about why. So, you know, I'm going to let her do that. Okay, I am here with Kelt's own Carolyn Ives. Carolyn, would you introduce yourself to people, let them know what you do on campus and where they may have run into you? Sure. Thanks, Brenna. Uh, my name is Carolyn Ives, as Brenna said, and I am one of the coordinators of learning and faculty development in Kelt. And yeah, you might have come in contact with me um, on various committees or uh, with new faculty orientation or with uh, the FLIM course, that was the Facilitating Learning in Moodle course this summer, um, because we run programming that is primarily for faculty, and we're your go-to stop for many things teaching and learning. Ooh, including uh, peer reviews, right? I guess people are probably still doing those, even in the online times. Yes, yes, they are, for sure. Uh, thank you for reminding me of that. That's that's the other thing you can contact us for. <laughs> um, so, Carolyn, I invited you on the show today. Well, we're talking about inspiration and how you get that spark back. I think a lot of people are missing their spark right now. Um, and I was particularly interested in talking to you about the Kelt Book Club um, and how it might be a place where people could go to get some inspiration or to find some excitement again. So um, can you tell us a little bit about just the book club as a structure and how it works, how long it's been around, and then we'll get into this semester's pick specifically? Absolutely. So we started the book club in uh, winter of 2019. And at that time, we were only meeting once a month and just reading large chunks of the book. And uh, we called it a book, a bowl and a bun because we were meeting at the lovely Esther's Market and uh, they were supplying us with lunch. And it was just so lovely to come together as a group and um, talk about teaching and learning through a book that we were all reading together. You know, to, to have that whole uh, community of like-minded people to really engage with and, and you know, and, and share a meal with. It was, it was really quite lovely. Also, uh, the food at Esther's Market is so good, and I miss I it so much. <laughs> I'm it's with you on that. favorite place on campus that I really miss. I used to, I mean, I found out about Esther's Market because I came out to book club, but it was one of my favorite places on campus to gather. Yeah, we we really appreciated it, appreciated them. Uh, and it was, it was a lovely environment for creating community. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing one book a term. Uh, and then when COVID happened, 
we decided that although we don't normally do a book in spring or summer, that it might be a good time to do it because a lot of people were missing out on that community. And although we couldn't offer people a meal, we thought it would be a really great way to um, spark some excitement uh, about teaching in this new alternate mode of delivery. And so we started reading as a group uh, Flower Darby's Small Teaching Online, which is based on Jim Lang's Small Teaching that we had read the year before and as a group and people really liked it. So I thought it would be a good one to do. But instead of meeting once a month, we met weekly. We read only one chapter at a time and um, we had incredibly good uptake. We sometimes had up to 40 people uh, come to those sessions. And so we actually had to break into small breakout groups for everybody to be able to, to talk about it. But we kept getting the feedback that people were so appreciative of the community and they were just thrilled to have a space where they could come together and talk to each other about something other than COVID. <laughs> and such a timely title too, right? Like that small teaching online book is so good for just concrete, practical advice for moving into online learning for people who have never done it before. Like it's a perfect book choice for the the moment we were in. Absolutely. Uh, the practical solutions in there are uh, many and it doesn't matter what platform you're using. It doesn't matter um, what tools you have at your institution. There's something in there for everybody. So it was a really, I think it was a helpful book really. And then we ended up picking a few chapters from it for that facilitating learning and Moodle course we ran over the summer a few times. Yeah, it's a it, it is it's that sort of practical hands-on piece that I think just judging from our own summer camp programming over in LTI, everybody was really hungry for this summer. Um we were getting huge numbers out for those programs too and I just think I think you're right, this sense of needing community and really wanting to talk through what was either happening for those faculty who were teaching in the summer but also for what was about to come, feeling giving people a sense that they could anticipate some of what was to come, I think is really valuable. So you've continued the book club now and you guys are a few weeks in, I think, right? To this semester's book club choice. Um, But it's one that you started reading in the summer, am I right? Yeah, I started reading it in in March. Uh, It was was a book that I pre-ordered at the pod conference last November, thinking... um, you know, at the time, of course, nobody, uh, nobody I knew had heard of COVID. I hadn't heard of COVID. Uh, so I, I ordered the book because it wasn't coming out till spring and it arrived uh, in my mailbox in March. So right about the time that people were um, being sent home and, and classes were moving uh, to, to Moodle as opposed to being on campus. And um, for me, it came at exactly the right time. So the book is called Radical Hope. And the subtitle is a teaching manifesto. And that's really what it is. It is an inspiring, hopeful book about teaching and how to be uh, allies with students rather than adversaries. And how important that is uh, both for us to feel inspired when we teach and to produce really, really good learning for students. It's so important (laughs) just conceptually to to get away from the the us and them thinking that shapes so much of how we structure teaching. And I'm thinking about it particularly in regards to like, you know, how we think about academic integrity. Like, I think sometimes when we're too focused on 
the, I don't know, that adversarial relationship, I guess, assignments start to be like traps that get set to get, especially tests, right? Traps to get set to test academic integrity instead of opportunities to evaluate learning. Um, so I really like thinking about that relationship in much more hopeful terms, right? Exactly. And and the thing I love about this book, uh, Kevin Gannon, the author, asserts that, you know, we have to show students, not just tell them that we trust them, mm-hmm. uh, because we can say we trust you. But then if we set up uh, signals that we don't. So, for example, um, trying to trick them with exam questions mm-hmm. or whatnot, uh, or opting for heightened measures of surveillance in mm-hmm. new in these new uh, digital classrooms um, by insisting on very short timeframes for online testing. All of those things can signal to students that we don't trust them. Mm-hmm. And that if, if we can show that we do trust them, uh, great things can happen. And um, yeah, so he, he talks about, um, I guess, finding ways to help your students envision themselves as participants in their own learning and mm-hmm. helping them envision themselves as participants in the discipline mm-hmm. and thinking about that through things like your hidden curriculum, right? So if all of your examples come from uh, all of your readings, all of your examples in your textbooks come strictly from one demographic, um, maybe white men, for example, it would, might be hard for a, a woman of color, for example, to see herself uh, as successful in that discipline. Mm-hmm. I I like that idea. I think oftentimes, maybe not anymore, but I, I think traditionally we've really felt like that was the job of graduate school, right? Like in graduate school, you become part of the discipline. But those students who are most successful in graduate school are often the ones who have had the opportunity throughout their undergraduate career to envision themselves as contributing to the discipline because that's what makes them want to go to graduate school, right? And so I think it's really valuable right from the first year course to give students a, a pathway for themselves to see themselves through the material, even if it's an elective that they're taking, you know, how many of us changed our majors because of one really inspiring elective class, right? Like it happens all the time. It certainly happened to me. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that Kevin Gannon also says is this pedagogy of radical hope is life affirming. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I can't think of anything more inspiring than that. Um, and more necessary. I, I, I talk to faculty all day long who are so, so tired and overworked. We are all stretched so thin right now that I think anything that can help us remember why we wanted to teach post-secondary in the first place is really, really valuable, right? Absolutely. Remember our own passion. And a lot of his examples in the book are, I think, especially timely because he, he talks about how he came to love his discipline, yet he wasn't modeling in his classroom those very strategies mm. that made him fall in love with history, which is his discipline. Mm-hmm. And then talked about how that realization really helped him turn his teaching around and reach students who might have otherwise you know, taken, taken the class because they had to take it and moved on and, and then never, never looked back. Um, 
and, and just talking about that shift, you know, helping, helping students find things that they're interested in and piquing their curiosity uh, about that particular discipline. He also talks about the importance of centering student agency, of inclusion, um, and of praxis, you know, that whole theory and practice combined uh, mm. element. And, uh, you know, I, I found it really inspiring. So this book came to me, like I said, in March at the beginning of COVID. And we didn't have a book club running uh, at TRU at the time. So I put a call out on Twitter to see who would like to read this with me. And I got a few responses. So we ended up with a book club with people from different institutions in different provinces uh, reading this book together. Uh, and we, we met Sunday afternoons. Uh, we just we just did one chapter a week because we didn't want it to be hugely onerous. Mm. Um, and it was so inspiring and affirming for us to come together as a community. And this book club is actually, it's still going on. Uh, we still meet weekly. And it, it's ended up being probably one of the most sustaining communities that I have experienced through this pandemic. Um, and our, our membership grows, it waxes and wanes uh, periodically. Uh, at the moment, we have uh, a couple people from institutions in the United States and a few from across Canada. It's just been one of those things, one of those places to go where I can mm. talk about anything other than the pandemic. <laughs> and, and just, yeah, talk about teaching and learning in the best possible way. I think that is so valuable right now because it's so easy, as I find in casual conversation right now, it's so easy to talk about how tired we are, how overwhelmed we are, how much work there is right now. And I'm not taking anything away from the truths of all of those statements. We are absolutely all overworked and exhausted. <laughs> yes. Um, but it doesn't really fill your cup to talk about that all the time, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so, yeah, the idea of a group of people who can come together um, and recognizing the parameters that we are in and not pretending the pandemic doesn't exist, but remembering that there was more to teaching than arguing with Moodle, <laughs> right? It's really important. So um, you've taken this book then from your your rogue book club, I'll call it, <laughs> to the yes. TRU book club in the last few weeks. Is that right? Absolutely. And so we're just starting chapter four uh, for next week. And of course, people are welcome to join anytime. And I'm, I'm really hoping that, um, I'm really hoping that this book will inspire people and conversations uh, at TRU as much as it did in our rogue book club. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that a, a good discussion uh, about an interesting chapter is probably one of the most um, energizing conversations mm. that I can have. Uh, so I, I'm really hoping it will do that for, for TRU faculty. And I think that's really needed. I think if people can find the time to just browse through the book and, and think about popping into a book club meeting, I think it can be really helpful. I'm just noticing how uh, down everybody seems lately. And um, I really wanted to take a minute this week to talk about you know, where we find inspiration and how we move through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Um, 
And it's nice to know the the book club is here and running right now. And I will say I am technically a member of the book club, but I have a conflicting meeting until next week. So I'll be joining about halfway through. Um, and, And I just, I hope people will think about coming and finding that spark and that inspiration with their colleagues. And also, Carolyn, I think what you just said is really, really valuable. Fuel some of the larger conversations at TRU. The pandemic is changing the shape of the institution in ways that are going to carry forward. And it would be nice to have that informed by some hope and some critical pedagogy and some really inspirational ways of thinking about our relationships to students instead of always getting mired in the the muck that is always going to be there. I wonder if you might tell folks who have never been to a Celt book club before what they can expect from arriving, particularly in this new like virtual weekly book club with no chili, which makes me sad, Carolyn. The chili was really good. (laughs) It was really good. You're right. Uh, We can't offer food, but you're welcome to bring your own. Um, I might. I might bring a pull and a bun when I come. (laughs) I think you should. Um, It's pretty informal. It's pretty casual. We essentially get together. Um, Usually there are a few words spoken by somebody from CALT. And then we open up discussion. Um, I often send out prompts in advance just in case we run out of things to talk about. But very rarely do we need the prompts. We Mm. usually get going pretty well. Uh, The book club is small enough right now that we haven't been breaking off into uh, breakout groups but if it grows of course we can certainly do that to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to speak but but there's no requirement I mean some people just come and sit and listen they turn their Mm -hmm. cameras off and occasionally will pipe up in the chat Um, lots of people have their cameras on Uh, some contribute more frequently than others it's whatever participants are comfortable with that's nice it's really nice to hear about a flexible learning environment right now (laughs) I'm taking this great class at BC campus and I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, uh, but there's an expectation of cameras on and it really does change my relationship to the learning environment. I, I feel very self-conscious about my own performance of learning sometimes. It's nice to have the option to switch off once in a while. I will confess I recently quit a community of practice because of the requirement of cameras always on. It's just a lot. And I think about it in relation to our students and, you know, everybody who's listening to the podcast regularly is rolling their eyes right now because I talk about this all the time. But I just think like, I feel that way in this class I'm taking once a week for my own professional development and joy that I'm really committed to the material of. I think about a student who's taking five classes to which they have varying degrees of commitment and they're in front of their screens all the time and what the impact of being required to have my camera on in that environment would be. It wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah, I think anytime we can um, promote compassion and humanity, yeah. now yeah. is the time to do that for sure. <laughs> I can hear the humanity of my household as Groot has come upstairs to do something. He's supposed to be in the basement right now, Carolyn. That's where I keep him when I record the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Groot. <laughs> I should add that our um, library now has this book electronically too. So it's free access for all TRU faculty. Yeah, I'm going to uh, include a link to the library's permalink so that people can find it easily. So hopefully they'll 
dip in and get inspired and decide to come and join their colleagues for a chat. I think part of what is making everybody so tired, I mean, week eight is always hard. Like (laughs) week eight is just, you know, midterms are in and students are tired and inspiration is low. But we don't have those opportunities to bump into each other at common ground and and laugh and remind each other why we're here. And I think that we've got to be a little bit more intentional about seeking out those opportunities. And I say that as an introvert who would really rather not, but I think it's important right now for all of us. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, Brenna, it might be an opportunity now just before before we wrap to promote mm. next term's book as well. If you That's a like, good idea. If you would like to mention that. I would love to. So I will include a link to it in the show notes. I'm really excited. Um, Kelt and uh, LTI are going to pair up to facilitate the book club in the winter term. And it's a book called uh, Critical Digital Pedagogy, which is in fairness, not the most inspiring title in the world, but it's a really great collection of essays about the topic of teaching and learning online from a range of different perspectives with a whole bunch of different voices, many of whom we don't usually hear um, in the larger conversation about teaching and learning online. I'm really excited to get to dig into it. It's brand new. It's an open access title. I'll link to the press book in the show notes to maybe get your interest peaked. And uh, and yeah, Carolyn and the Kelt team and I and the LTI team will be leading folks through that uh, in the winter. I think it's going to be a fun one. Me too. And I think part of what's going to make it more palatable for people is it'll be easier to drop in or drop out, right? Because they're they're essays there it's not a, a one coherent book of chapters so maybe people are only interested in one or two of the essays and they don't want to come to all so i think it just increases the amount of flexibility we can offer yeah it's really nice in that way it's like if you can pick up the chapters that are of interest to you and leave the rest and that's totally fine or maybe you'll get hooked and you'll want to do the whole thing with us and that's even better so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it me too So I'm grateful for you spending the time with me today, Carolyn. I'm wondering, um, just as a reminder for folks, if they are looking for some help and guidance and advice from Kelt, uh, how do they get a hold of the team? Oh, absolutely. They're certainly welcome to email CELT at TRU.ca. We also have a a form for people to request consultation right on our website, which um, you'll probably link to in your notes. I shall. And um, they can also email me directly. It's C-I-V-E-S at T-R-U dot C-A. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Carolyn. It's always fun. Thank you for inviting me. Lovely to to chat with you and to hear Groot. (laughs) Yes, he's much louder than I expected him to be. I really did not think he was coming upstairs for the duration of this interview. (laughs) I kind (laughs) of love it. (laughs) I hope the listeners do too. Second week in a row, he's made an appearance. It's all right. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Take care, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining me. You too. Take care. Bye. So that is it for episode nine of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca. And I'm also on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. In both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca, and of course, you can always comment on individual episodes there. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip. 
in the spirit of trying to find your inspirational spark. This is something I did this afternoon and it really helped. So I'm going to offer it to you. Whether you journal or not, whether you're the kind of person who maintains a reflective practice or not, I think that in times of real stress, it can be useful to just put your pen to paper or your fingers to the keyboard if you prefer and write. The prompt that I wrote from this afternoon, because I was frankly struggling with what to come and talk to you guys about that wouldn't be horribly depressing. (laughs) The prompt that I gave to myself is, why do I love my job? I know, I know. I am this hokey and Pollyanna-ish just like all the time. I apologize. It's just who I am. But I asked myself to sit down. I set a timer and I wrote longhand about why I love my job just for five minutes. And at the end of it, I remembered a bunch of things that I had forgotten just a few minutes before, including that the thing I love best about my job is you and connecting with you and talking to you about the things that we all collectively care about and talking about how to demonstrate that care for our students. It's a gift and a privilege that I get to do that with you, even when it's hard. So that's my challenge to you for this week. What do you love about your job? Can you sit and write for five minutes about it? You know, it doesn't erase the structural inequalities and it doesn't erase the precarity and it doesn't erase the startling and never quite sinking in for me reality that institutions actually can't return your affection. (laughs) But it might help you find that spark if you're missing it like I have been. I hope you're not. I hope for you things are going swimmingly well. If that's the case, why don't you reach out to a colleague who maybe is struggling and help them remember where that spark came from. Until next time, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Put down some salt. It is icy out there. I've already fallen once. Kamloops, honestly, snow. (laughs) And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.